Expounded Universe, Season 9, Episode 6, Glorious Plasma. The book, Crucible, by Troy Denning. The year, 2013. With your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's go. Let's go already. No, seriously, let's go. Why hasn't this started yet? I'm going to look into this. And it's time for Expounded Universe. I'm Jeff, that's John, and let's do the thing. Yay, the thing. Let's get this thing done. I want to be over with in about 15 minutes if I can accomplish that. What do you think? Can we get it done? <laughs> let's, just, let's just blast through. Hey, yo, so it turns out people on stakeout, they get fucked up. People on stakeout, they fuck them up. We're done. <laughs> Bye, everyone. All right, we'll see you in a week with yet more Star Wars content. Keep that cash flowing in. <laughs> Smash that like and subscribe. What do you mean it's got to be 10 minutes at least? Fuck Ugh. this. Uh, Okay, uh, I don't know. I'll just do like that how to drink guy and just mug about nothing for nine minutes. I mean, isn't that basically our show? Uh, Mugging about nothing, but for like 50 minutes? Yeah, but it's not called that. It should be. Mug about nothing for... (laughs) Mugging about nothing. I mean, that's pretty much what Afterthought is. Nothing about mugging. (laughs) So, yeah, all right. Let's get into what's actually happening. Chapter 11, we seat... Yes, we, we seat we ourselves. Seat. I don't know. That was uh, we kinda, seat ourselves. Kind of ran out of words. I don't know what happened there. In the place with a book, we find ourselves in seats and we read chapter eleven of the Crucible. <laughs> the Crucible, by the way, <laughs> the, not the Crucible, not, not Crucible. Which I'm, I'm number one. I'm assuming that the Crucible, uh, the a play, has chapters. Obviously, uh, yes. Yeah, that's that goes without saying. That's that's understood. And also that there's more than ten of them. Yes, that's that's an understood thing. Uh huh. It's a long, crappy it's, play. It's the <laughs> standard 15-act play that you are normally used to. That's the best thing about plays about Puritans, is that they go on for fucking ever, and everyone likes it. Everyone loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like, oh boy, I sure hope I get some more of The Crucible. Yeah. I don't, I've don't. i actually never seen or read The Crucible, so I do not know what it, what it is. It's like Aww. a courtroom drama, right? Oh yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just some Puritan guy being like, objection! <laughs> yeah. I call as my witness a surprise and they're like oh objection again overruled i want to see where this is going goody proctor or whatever your name is goody right <laughs> yeah i i actually don't know i know more about the scarlet letter that's fine yeah you don't you don't need to know about it it's okay okay well meanwhile i do know a lot about crucible the 2013 star wars book where chapter 11 begins with luke and leia hanging out in a ship that's called a scrag hull yeah, it is one of Lando's stealth ships. Yeah, the name Scraghole makes it sound like he gave them like a low-rent ship, basically just a tub with an engine on it. Yeah, here's my shit ball. Yeah, you get the starter ship. You get the you get the level one package. Ah. Uh. You can upgrade this later if you make enough gems. <laughs> but apparently the Scraghole itself is actually a fairly powerful spy ship. It's not very heavily armed, but it does have powerful shields, excellent stealth technology, and also, of course, it has two Jedi in it. Yeah. And they are hanging out at the very edge of the mesh, as far as the mesh has expanded into the Chiloon Rift so far, where they are looking at the Ormni, which is the asteroid crusher that the Kreff brothers operate. Yes. So they are hanging out, being like, all right, we're going to, I really hope they're not banging out. (laughs) 
<laughs> they are looking at this like, all right, let's let's see if we can sneak on here and save Han. So this book establishes something that I don't think we've ever really seen in Star Wars before, uh, which is that basically silent running rules like that, like, uh, like Hunt for Red October stuff starts coming heavily into play. Ships can hide forever from sensors, provided that they just don't turn their engines on. Yeah. If they use just maneuvering thrusters, no one can ever spot them. Yes. I mean, that's sort of what we've gotten before. I mean, it makes sense because we're in a, a big rift of goop, and it's like a... I, I well, don't know I mean, about that you. Was, that was also what, uh, you know, the Falcon did when it pretended to be trash. That's true. It did hide among trash and look like trash. Yeah, and uh, was trash. And, was tra- <laughs> and became trash. <laughs> No, but I, I think it works here because we're in a nebula, so I don't know if this is just me, but I have been kind of picturing everything in this these chapters as being taking place at, like, a red space. Just just space around here is red. No. There's just no stars or anything. It's just red everywhere. There's a lot of red. You don't, you're not seeing that? It's no. simply red, John. <laughs> it is. It's mm-hmm. simply the best. Yeah. It's simply red, and that makes Leia a lady in red. <laughs> Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, they're sneaking up on the Ormney by accelerating while still outside of their sensor field and then turning off all the engines and just floating over there. Yeah, they're just, you know, using their own momentum and the fact that they're in space to be like, all right, we're just shooting ourselves toward this ship. Yeah, and it's not good enough because, of course, the Rift is also an asteroid field, so every once in a while they have to use maneuvering thrusters too not get hit by asteroids. Yeah. Now, this does suggest that asteroid fields in Star Wars are significantly more packed with asteroids than they are in the real galaxy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is adventure asteroid field, which means asteroids are literally everywhere until you want to start fighting, and then they're probably not as prevalent. Yeah, they're gonging into each other on a regular basis, and it's super dangerous. As opposed to... uh, It's funny how how the asteroid scene from from, uh, New Hope or Windows Empire uh, has more or less colored everyone's view of what asteroid fields are. Yes. When really it's just asteroids are very slightly more common in asteroid fields, and any given asteroid in a field, if you're on it, you can't see any other asteroids because they're too far away. Uh, but nope. Nope, this is scary asteroid field. Uh, so, they are navigating their way through it, and at the moment, the Ormney looks just like a, I, I, as far as I can tell, it appears to just be a Star Destroyer with a mouth. Yeah, I mean, it's a just a giant wedge, and the wedge eats asteroids, mm-hmm. and it has little, like, helper craft flying around it. It's a and... giant statue of Wedge. <laughs> and yeah. he's eating asteroids. <laughs> I destroyed the Death Star. <laughs> I Remember you... me. I want you to imagine a nutcracker, but it's Wedge Antilles, <laughs> and the mouth is just... <laughs> Put asteroids in my mouth. <laughs> uh, so... So it's just a big wedge, and underneath the wedge is a, a, a dust cloud, like it just farted, did the ship. But the the dust cloud is three times the size of the ship. Yeah, because it's got little helper craft shoving asteroids into the maw, mm-hmm. or chunks of asteroid, really. Yeah, because the helper craft, they're called slave ships, but there's a bunch of different types of them. Some of them are rams that are ramming into the asteroid to bust it up, and others are like gravity tugs. Yeah. So a bunch of helper ships are like, messing up an asteroid, dragging them into the big Wedge Antilles front mouth, uh, and then towards the bil- belly of the ship, it all gets barfed back out as dust because all the ore's been processed out of it. Yeah, they're like, all right, we got all the good stuff out of this, and now just the space dust is farting out from below us. Mm-hmm. So so they're they're resting on a giant you know space cloud of dust fart, and from Same. this... T- <laughs> 
from this distance, the only thing they can really see is light trails that indicate that there are other ships out there. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Leia's like, I can't even see the actual ships that are flying around with my eyes. I just know because the sensors are telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So as they're floating towards it, they start noticing more and more things about the craft. Uh, they, they get to the yeah, point. Yeah, they're where- like, Feruza Balk is real weird in it. <laughs> What movie is Feruza Balk not real weird in? Um, also, name a fourth Feruza Balk movie. Let's let's start there. You got American History X. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Return to Oz away from you. Yeah, no, I'm taking I've the craft. S- I've seen a fourth Feruza Balk uh-huh. movie that was basically like the craft, but it was different because it was like they were in some Catholic mm-hmm. school thing, and there was some room they had to go into i cannot remember the name of it how about just the love interest in adam sandler's the water boy oh i haven't seen the water boy Ba-doom! i know more feruza bulk movies than anyone good job you did it i win this this contest i had a huge crush on her for a brief time when i was like a freshman in college well because i was like damn that's that's an alt girl and I, that's my thing right now yeah and then i realized nah, it kind of isn't ah. and it was okay anyway um they they noticed that there's there's a variety of ship types, and that they don't seem to be being note, uh, seen themselves. And eventually, Leia and, and Luke start using force powers to try and search the ship in the area for Han. Well, they can't do that yet, because they're like, oh, if we use the force and they have Sith, mm-hmm. we're yeah, going to get noticed. They think they ha- they they might have Sith on their in their employ. Because they are like, oh yeah, when we were doing that last fight, trying to get Han before he was taken onto the ship, we could feel a dark force presence stopping us. I love that they keep calling it an oily sheen presence on the force. Yeah. That Ooh. oily sheen. Charlie, his name is. Mm-hmm. I love that, that that Sith users are like easily identifiable via the force. Like you can just tell right like when they when they even are doing anything near you, you're like, oh yeah, that's there's there's a dark side guy right around here somewhere. You'd think that that would kind of mess up the plots of the prequels. Uh, uh, but then again, you know, this isn't a sequel to the prequels. This is a prequel to the sequels. This is a prequel to the beginning of the sequels, because this this was the last book in the EU series. Although it was written like 12 years after Phantom Menace came out. Yeah. Man, what a convoluted timeline in which we live. Indeed. It's almost like Kingdom Hearts in here. <laughs> you're, you're just grumpled because I've been playing Kingdom Hearts while you've been trying to read. And it is garbage. Because <laughs> you're not even at any of the Disney things. You're just someplace where a bunch of idiots and trench coats are like... The hearts are reconnecting me with my true false self. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing through the end game. I'm at the Keyblade Graveyard. The only Disney person left in play is Mickey, and Mickey has a habit of just vanishing after saying nonsense. Yep, that's right. All of these hearts have been traveled through time by Xemnas and Xehanort, who are actually clones. Now Yen says, oh, bye now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a standard Mickey trying to explain Kingdom Hearts. Very well done. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't even pretend to understand it. It's got good, fluid gameplay. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But yes, they are just hanging out when they get a distress signal, mm-hmm. and it is from uh, the missing Jedi stealth ship. Yeah, uh, a stealth X, which is just a star, an X-wing painted black, as far as I can tell. Uh, but that is Ohali Sarak, the only known named Jedi questing knight. Yeah. The one that has been silent for the past month or two. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, oh, that's a distress signal from uh, Sorak. And they have a moment where they're like, oh, we should 
you know, go help them. And then they realize, oh, there's a 0% chance that that just happens to get activated the second we're near the ship to rescue Han. Yeah, exactly. Uh, R2 is like, hey, that is that that distress message came from one beacon away. There's only one beacon near us, which means that, and we're on the ass end of the rift. There is no way that this is a coincidence. Yeah. So they're like, no, that's that's definitely a trap. <laughs> yeah. So now they're pretty sure that the Kalumi knew they're, know they're around, which leads us to yet more discussions where even Luke has to be like, no, don't try to outthink the Kalumi. The Kalumi are always two steps ahead. You can't out outbrain the Kalumi. They're pure brainergy. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Kalumi are just like, oh boy, let's do stuff. Wee! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be great if the book had that cut, right? Like, can't stop. They're, they're always five steps ahead, the Kalumi. And then it cuts to a Kalumi in the shower, wipe cleaning his own butt, and then smelling his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, uh, while they're debating this and they're like, oh, but even if we know it's a trap because of where we are and the timing of this, like it might reach Ben out there and it might reach the Falcon. Like they don't know that these are traps. Yeah. So they're, they're basically worried that their friends are dumber than they are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, rightly so, but, but yeah, they're like, well, no, come on. Lando's not going to fall for the same trick. We didn't fall for it. And well, that's also, they're like, we're not falling for it because it's very clear that it is right next to where we are and they're just setting up a trap. Yeah. But they're like, okay, tell you what, we'll just trust that anyone who would go check out that signal isn't an idiot. Yeah. And we'll do what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And that's when a ship begins to take off from the Ormney and they're like, Okay, well, there's a 0% chance that that also doesn't have Han on it, because they're not just going to be like, and now the Krefs leave, and they'll just have Han sitting here for you. Yeah. Well, they, they do, I, I did like this bit, where they suggest to R2 that if they get attacked, the first thing that R2 does before he does anything else is send out a message to the Falcon that that distress beacon's a trap. Yeah. Which is kind of smart, because otherwise, why, you know, go into radio silence forever if you're about to get attacked? Yeah. Uh but yeah, sure enough, the Aurel Moon, I think its name yep, is. The, the Aurel Moon. The Aurel Moon, which is which is the Aurel Moon. The old Aurel Moon. Mm -hmm. Which is The uh, Prefs eat ass. And then they smell their hand. Uh but the Aurel Moon comes popping out of the top of the Ormney, and so do a bunch of I forget the name of them. Bezulix. Bezulix. Bezulix are the uh the fighter craft. They're that, the Mando they're, ships. They're Mando fighter ships that are also stealth powered and also have Beskar for armor. So they're, yeah, they're they got Beskar hulls mm -hmm. and then they have engine bafflers so that you can't get a lock on them. Mm -hmm. I only have cat bafflers myself. <laughs> ah, good. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm cat bafflers. <laughs> Come on down and buy my used washing machines. <laughs> There's a dead cat in each one. Guaranteed. <laughs> Why would I want that? <laughs> Free hot dogs for the kids. Are those also dead cat? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even hiding it. It's mostly hair. <laughs> uh, so, yes. As soon as they see that, they're like, all right, well, fuck it. I mean, we're going to have to go after him, so we may as well use the Force. Let's just check to make sure Han's there. So, the, yeah, so they Leia does, because she's, you know, more connected to Han than Luke is. Yeah, he, she's very in, in tune with Han. 
And she's like, all right, let's see. What do we got on there? We got a whole bunch of fucking Mandalorians and ships around it. There's the crafts. There's a whole bunch of asshole crewmen and a drugged up, angry little old man. Ah, oh, that's Han. There we, there he is. There's, there's my grumpy boomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's all high on drugs that he gets for free because of his his uh, retirement that he's allowed to have. <laughs> he has actual health care. <laughs> Son of a bitch! That bastard! How dare he? And he's really mad about it for some reason. What an asshole! <laughs> <laughs> he's mad about thinking someone else might also have medical coverage <laughs> hey fuck you i paid off my college debts back when they were like five hundred dollars <laughs> that's why I-, I worked my ass off i worked a part-time job and paid for college <laughs> so um unfortunately there is indeed an oily sheen on the force and also they they are quickly blocked from being able to tell where han is which means there's a Sith here. Yeah. And Leia's like, I only felt the one presence, so there's it's probably w- not teeming with Sith. Yeah, there's maybe two Sith. Yeah. Uh, and Luke's like, uh, well, okay, well, now we, now we, everyone's cards are on the table then, so let's just do the thing. Yeah, they know we're here, so let's go get them. Mm-hmm. And so they, they click on the accelerator, and they go flying right out that direction, and a bunch of ships starting getting ready to engage. But they are still. Everyone's still too far away for target locks, and also all those bezelics have their uh, bafflers turned on, so they're in- untargetable. Yeah, with targeting things, mm-hmm. except these are two Jedi, and they're like, I don't give a fuck about instruments. Here, just shit a missile out, and then I'm going to throw it at them with the force, guiding it with the force, and I don't care what they're using for bafflers. And this is what they do. They take out most of the uh, the bezelics by just dumping torpedoes. And then using the force, it c- getting mind locks on the on the poor Mandalorians in the ships. Yeah, they're like, I can tell where your brain is, and throw a torpedo at it. Mm-hmm. And the Mandos are scared. Like, they can feel them being terrified, because they don't know what's going on or how to stop this attack. Yeah, and because the engines on the torpedoes aren't going, so they can't, like, get a lock on the torpedo to shoot it down or try and dodge. Yeah. It's just, they're flying, and suddenly a ship next to them blows up. Mm-hmm. Now, we get a point here where we go into Leia's perspective for why it's okay for them to do this horrifying war crime. Yeah, well, they're like, oh, well, Mandos would never try to give us mercy, so fuck them. These are just mercenaries doing a hired job, and you're murdering them in cold blood from a distance in a surprise attack. You are assassinating people. This is the Jedi way? Indeed. This is the way. (laughs) But yeah, Leia's thought where she's just like, well, we can't leave Mandalorians lying around. They use dirty tricks. That's why I'll do the self, the, the righteous thing of shooting them with stealth torpedoes in a way that they can't even tell why they're dying. Yeah, I'll just use magic to blow them up with little <laughs> torpedoes. At a certain point, you wonder why, if, if it's okay to guide torpedoes right to their brains from space, why not just reach into their brains and snap the blood vessels and just be like, ah, yeah, sure, it's dark sidey, but Mandos are bad guys. I mean, you'd think... At that point, you could go, well, if I've got enough control to still be, like, maneuvering a torpedo in space, however far away this craft is, Mm -hmm. I could just reach out with the force and go, and turn the ship off. (laughs) Yeah. Or just take the canopy off. Just there. Now you're in space. Okay. And boop. Yeah. But no, uh, somehow this is a, I mean, Grant, it is very clever. Yes. Of the author. It's a very clever move for the for the Jedi to do, to send out unengined torpedoes and just guide them to targets manually with the Force. 
it is also exceptionally against the Jedi Code. Hey. <laughs> I mean, these guys hey. these guys don't even carry guns. This is like the Justice League scene where Batman kills a bunch of guys in a car and then drags their corpses around to kill a bunch of people in a different car with the same car later. Yes. But, I mean, there's nothing in the Jedi Code that says you can't kill people. Just don't be angry about it when you do it. <laughs> They're just very dispassionately murdering Mandalorians. I mean, she's like, even if she's picking new targets for the torpedoes, she's like, ah, there we go. There's a person who's completely terrified. I'll kill them. Yeah. They're like, ooh, they're angry and scared. I'll get them. And you're dead. <laughs> it's just, and just both of them are doing it. Luke's not even like, I'll just make them go unconscious in their ships. I'll just, I'll, or I'll just reach out and be like, you don't want to be on their side. I assume that force tricks work with Obi-Wan's voice inflection, and that's the rule. Oh, yeah, it has yeah. to do that. Yeah. Uh, you want but, to be on our side instead. So they, they're blowing stuff up, but they don't have, like, unlimited torpedoes, and there are a lot of bezeliks. Mm-hmm. You'd and- think they'd just start dumping the torpedoes out of the bezelic tubes. <laughs> just, ah, before you get blown up, let me just take one of your torpedoes to blow your friends up. Let me just turn you around and slam you into the other guy. Yeah. If we're at a point where that's how the force works, then what are we goofing around with with these torpedoes? <laughs> just Let's just take two <laughs> spaceships and go, now kiss. Bonk. <laughs> <Talk>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you two. You're going to get flown into the engines of the oral moon so it can't go anywhere. All right. And I'm going to throw you into the maw of the crusher over there. I'm just going to get creative with it. You know what? You don't feel like getting eaten right now, do you? Okay, here's the deal. You want to go to jumbo uh, to get me a jumbo jack? Uh, the <laughs> the oral moon begins to take off, and they're like, ah, shit, because they yeah. can't like blow up the sh- that ship because it has Han on it, mm-hmm. and they still have a lot of like fighters and dumb nonsense to get through. So Luke decides, all right, I tell you what, I'm gonna go ahead, give me a. Give me a missile. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it at them and explode it right next to them and just try to roll intimidate. Just be like, hey, hey, asshole, I know you're going to kill Han if we let you keep him. So here's the deal. Either you let all of us go or I blow your dumb ass up. Yeah. Basically, he does this so that the torpedo goes off close enough to the oral moon to crack its view plates. And then he gets a phone call right away from from uh, from Kratheus. And he's like, what the fuck skywalker what the fuck are you doing you'll kill your own guy and skywalker's like yeah that guy's expendable look that guy if i don't you're going to kill him wherever you go Mm -hmm. and so i may as well use this as a bargaining chip because you're also going to just keep sending fighters and dumb crap out of this ormney to kill us until we're also dead Mm -hmm. so either we all die or we all live your choice yeah and Kratheus is like, okay, well, I'll have to talk, my, talk to my brother about that. And then he disengages. But he doesn't go to talk to his brother about it. Instead, he presses some button that releases uh, uh, jetpack bugs or something. Yeah, there's something that comes out of the Ormney that's just like weird blue uh, silver birds. Yeah, the flock of silver birds bursts forth. And they look like Minox with jetpack tails, thinks Leia. Yeah. I'll kill them. Great. Mm-hmm. Anything living, I'll kill it. <laughs> I'll kill whatever. I mean, this chapter does open up with her being like, all right, so here's how this is going to go down. We're going to get Han back. And if we don't get Han back, then I'm going to kill all those Kolumi, like, 
really hard. I'm going to kill them so hard. I, I will hunt them down till the ends of the earth. And Luke just looks over and goes, hey, stop it. Hey, hey, come on. Don't. Hey, hey cut don't. that shit out. You, we can kill them from a distance in stealth ways that horrify them, but we can't think about killing them later. Look, if you That's pl- if it's premeditated, then it's bad. <laughs> Look, Leia, the Jedi Code doesn't make any fucking sense, but we have to play by the rules, okay? <laughs> so, yes. The, uh, the two of them are like, oh, they're just trying to stall. All right, fuck it. Let's try and do something else. And mm-hmm. then ship appears yeah ship the the shippy mcship face the 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 sith ship comes screaming out of nowhere they, they describe it as a yeah with they describe, wings they say it's a sith meditation orb which it is ship is officially a sith meditation orb but to me that sounds smaller than what ship because ship's a full-on like city ship oh yeah it's a huge orb mm-hmm. but the way they describe it is like oh it's an orb with a like four wings and i go oh so it, it looks like Kind of like an interceptor, but like oh, I pictured like organic crap. I, I, I oh, you it, were picturing like an angel from the Bible. Yeah, I pretty much pictured Geneva. <laughs> you like oh yeah, up. probably a sphere with seventeen concentric wings uh-huh. and twenty million eyes. Yeah, and they they fly around it in a circle, and we call it a throne for some reason. And <laughs> no, it, it. I mean, I did picture that it was a bit more bioorganic of a ship than than regular because it's described as like red and pulsing with veins all over it so i was like oh so basically they're flying in like a bewinged ball sack <laughs> whereas i just went oh it's got like red tron lights on mm. it yeah i went i went in another direction my my initial initial thought of what ship was was basically like we called it ship because no one was was okay with the original name the hanging brain <laughs> ah yes all aboard the hanging brain <laughs> Well, we call it that because we we go around the galaxy killing anyone we want to, and we're very smart. <laughs> and also, the ship looks like a nut. I'm just I'm just just saying, the ship the ship looks like a winged nut. It's a it's a wee bit rankly. <laughs> I don't know what ship actually looks like. Maybe one of us should do our bonus episode on the ship sometime. Maybe. Although I didn't expect it to play a part in the book, so now I'm now I'm like, okay, now we probably can't do ship because it's going to be important later. Eh. But uh, yes. So ship shows up and it's ship shape and mm-hmm. it begins fucking their shit up, shoots them with a bunch of missiles and nonsense. Yeah, it just nuts. It's it's ship powers all over just everyone. White hot. I mean, granted, white hot plasma. I want to say the phrase white hot plasma is the most common f- phrase in either of these two chapters. It happens a lot in these Star Wars books. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, there is a point where they get knocked off course. It looks like they're going to crash. And uh, Luke explodes a torpedo right next to them, and everything goes white, and that's the end of the chapter. Yeah, my guess is he's trying to create some distance between himself and ship by that, or fake their own death by being like, "Oh, it's gonna, I'm gonna explode this torpedo, so it looks like we crashed into the Ormney and blew up." I guess that's not his first time pulling that trick. He did that when they were trying to get down to the surface of Dathomir. Yeah, so. except that didn't work at all when they did that so oh it kind of worked it's just that he was still being followed by well no he was on his older side already yeah yeah it worked just fine it wasn't like the empire was like we know you're down there oh they did did they oh never mind they know oh they know don't you worry about that i'm worried about that though i'm a little worried speaking of happens (laughs) that was the end of that chapter and now the next one Mm -hmm. hey it's time to meet some new characters to this book yeah we get our introduction in this book to uh, ben. ben Skywalker mm-hmm. and 
Tahani. And Tahiri? Tahiri. Is it Tahiri? Yeah, it's not Tahani. This isn't the good place. Okay, is it Tahini? Yes, it's Nahiri. Oh, it's Nahiri the Lithomancer. That's a Magic the Gathering reference. That's, hey. that's, that's way more obscure than Tahini the Sesame Paste. <laughs> tahini the Sesame Paste. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, yeah, Tahiri. Uh, tahiri is apparently an older, experienced Jedi. We find out that uh, she has Wolverine scar across her face. She's got three slashes on her face because she was tortured by the Yuzhan Vong when she was 14, and she's 30 now. Yeah. So, so we at least know it's been 16 years since the Yuzhan Vong. Yeah, I mean, granted, the Yuzhan Vong war did end with the Yuzhan, the remaining Yuzhan Vong being integrated into society. <laughs> they get their own planet to live on in our galaxy, and they kind of calm down a little. Uh, <laughs> chill your shit. Chill, yeah, they chill their shit. So it might be that a few of them are still just running around torturing people, and she's 15. I don't know. No, she's 30. Yeah. Oh, she's 30. We do know. Yeah. We know how old she is. She's She's in her 30s. Yeah, they say she was tortured at 14, and she is 30-ish now. Yeah, okay, so she's 30-something. Uh, and so the two of them are floating dead silently in the rift in a ship called, uh, was it Maytiri? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, because it's like M-I-Y, and I don't know if you would just say, like, my or may or... It's the Misharona. Yeah, the Mishar. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a, it's a Maytiri. Or a matery or whatever it's you want. A, it's a hapen ship. It's a hapen ship, which means it looks like an actual honest-to-God flying saucer. And uh, they are doing the exact same shit that Luke and Leia were. Now we have two more Force users in one ship, running silent, hanging it's, out, yeah. and S- watching something. Spying on an event that they know to be dangerous. Uh, it's, it's like poetry, John. It rhymes. The pieces rhyme. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, this is uh, this sucked. Yeah, so... <laughs> I mean, it's a neat chapter. It's just sort of irritating that it's the same chapter twice in a row. So with them, they came to the conclusion, rightly, that, hey, you know, after searching for so long for uh, this, oh, Holly. M- this uh, missing Stealth X and trying to figure out what's going on, we had, like, just yesterday sent a message that said, hey, we're going to give up the search and come back home. And then the signal went out. They were like... Oh, this is this is definitely a trap. Mm-hmm. So they are watching the asteroid that the signal is coming from, mm-hmm. and running silent and just waiting to see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, they they know something. They're like, "There's no way that's actually the ship. Like, it's too coincidental that that we were planning to leave, and then the day after we plan to leave, we get the distress beacon. This is definitely some kind of a trap." Plus, they've used that they, they, once they get close enough to it, just silent running. They're using. Uh, navigational thrusters to avoid because the, the neighborhood they're in is very full of asteroids and also very foggy yes uh, they can't see anything but because they aren't worried about sith they're that once they get close enough they're like all right well time to reach out with the force yeah and they immediately establish that there are four ships hiding in the fog around the distress beacon each with two people on it and there are no Force-sensitive signatures, although it takes Ben a while to get through all this, which gives you... I don't know how old Ben is supposed to be in this book. I've never actually seen a, seen Ben in the books before, uh, but he's, like, kind of br- dumb and brash. Yeah, he... I mean, to be fair, the beginning of the chapter has him getting the sensation of a York peppermint patty, and it's... He's like, oh, I felt fear and 
loathing <sighs> in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That's okay. We all have. That's pretty much the universal experience of going there. But no, he's like, I felt fear and hope from my father and then nothing. Yeah. Now I don't feel him at all in the Force. And and Tahiri is pretty much straightforward and pragmatic about Jedi stuff. So she's like, is he dead? And he's like, no, I don't think he's dead. I, feel like, like- I didn't feel a tear in the Force or yeah. like his life force snuffed out. He's just gone from my force sense yeah and she's, she's like eh. her her basic response response boils down to then he's walled himself off from the force and probably for good reason and we have no time to worry about it yeah look tell you what after we're done here if the grand master of the jedis need us two idiots to go save him we'll do it but until then we have something to do yeah and it takes ben a minute but he's finally on board and he's like okay well should we go down to the planet and try to pick up uh, oh, Holly. And even again, Tahiri has to be like, yeah, did you pick up her four signature when you were checking out the planet? No. Yeah, she's not down there. Yeah. This is just a trap. They're like, oh, they probably just disassembled the shit and put it down on the asteroid just to send out the signal. And now it's his turn to be smug because he's read the schematics on the modern Stealth X release ske- uh, uh, schedules. He's like, oh, but don't you know that that would be impossible? Haven't you read... She's like, no, what? Mm, oh, it. well, if you try and remove, like, the seat from the thing, it just auto-sends out the distress signal. Also, if the astromech droid or and the ship are too far apart from each other, it automatically sends the signal. Yeah, so if there was a reason for this to be sent out beforehand, it would have already been sent way before this. Yeah, so it, the chances are that the ship is intact. I mean, realistically, the answer to that one is just going to be that the Krefs know how to defeat that technology and did so. I mean, that or I assume what they did was what they're assuming they did, which is just we dragged the craft out here, dumped it on an asteroid mm-hmm. and turned it on. Yeah. And O'Hawley's not in it. And that's just the way things are. Yeah. Well, it takes them a long time of fumbling around and trying to figure out who's out here. But eventually they they detect that there is another ship also floating in the mist somewhere. Yeah. They're like, all right, we've spent several hours Ben wants to attack them immediately, and of course, Tahiri's like, what? No. They outnumber us and outgun us. And also, we don't know who or what they are, or who they were setting this trap for. Plus, if you kill them, they won't learn nothing. (laughs) Uh, So they're they're just hanging out to observe, and that's when when their own astromech droid, an R9 unit called Ninette, Yay. Uh, beeps up that there's something else hidden in the mist. That, that there is a CEC YT-1300 light, light freighter out here. Yeah, that's been retrofitted for speed. Yeah, uh, modified for speed. And they're like, oh, that's Han. That's definitely Han. Han's here. Oh, the, the Falcon. Hooray. I missed the days when the Falcon was Han's ship because YT- YT-1300s were generally considered nondescript and unimportant. Uh. And now it's like it's the most famous ship in space. And every anytime you see any YT-1300, you're like, that's Han. <laughs> I know it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, also... No one's still flying them. It's been 70 years. And... No one is flying them specifically in the Chaloon Rift. You'd think there'd be plenty of people flying for old shitty freight haulers in the Rift. Yeah, but everyone else is doing asteroid tuggers. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. It should be a lot more of those things from the beginning of uh, the the, the uh, new tr- new trilogy. Yeah. The that that tug thing. The, the jump tugger. The jump tug. Yeah. You know when you get a jump tugger. <laughs> <laughs> old rum tum jump tugger yeah, i gotta really trust someone before i'm letting them give me a jump tugger <laughs> whatever that is it sounds like it's gonna end up with wrenching 
<laughs> okay, so uh, they can't contact the Falcon without giving away their position, and the Falcon can't contact them, but they do use the Force to investigate who's on the Falcon, and there's an old man who is very clearly Lando. They're like, oh, some smug assholes on there. Well, that's Lando. Okay. There's also your dad, but 30 years younger? Yeah, they're like, oh, there's some brash, headstrong, super in-over-his-head asshole on that ship, and it's not your dad? Yeah, but in the end, well, you'd be uncle. like, yeah, it's not your uncle? And and he's like, yeah, that's crazy. I can't imagine that there's two daredevil-type people in this galaxy. <laughs> two people who are dumb and brash? My goodness. <laughs> who could picture such a thing? It must be Dash Rendar. <laughs> Or as I think of him, Brash Rendar. Thank you, because if you didn't say that, I was about to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's his full name. Brash Dunbar. Brash Dunbar. <laughs> uh, hmm. So, I don't know. They, they basically... They wait, and then they see all of the uh, the ships that they were waiting on break off from the position they had around the beacon and go tear assing over to the Falcon. Mm -hmm. And that's when they realize, oh, shit. These aren't just, like, pirates out here that are probably in, like, shitty old, like, beat-up Y-Wings or something like that. Mm -hmm. No, these are Mandalorians in... their stupid custom spaceships. Yeah, and they're like, oh, uh, we only have four torpedoes on this ship, and our guns will mildly annoy them. Yeah, the Beskar armor is very, very powerful against guns. Uh, but ultimately, they settle on just doing the same trick. They're like, huh, I know no one's ever thought of this before. Why don't we shove torpedoes out and throw it at them with the force? <laughs> You're like, good job. And then we even get to Hiri having to do the Leia line, where she's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Normally, I'd go for a non-lethal kill, but Mandos don't play fair, so I'm just going to murder them in space. And indeed they do. Mm -hmm. Most of them, anyway. We have to get a bunch of, like, standoff stuff happening here, where eventually, uh, rather than contacting the Mandos, he first contacts the Falcon and is like, hey, whoever's on there, run away! No, first Lando has to contact the... Oh, right, Lando contacts the Mandos. It's Lando and the Mandos. Lando and the Mandos, mm -hmm. and uh the mandos are like hey uh stand down and prepare to be boarded unless you want to die yeah hi lando what's up it's us we knew you were coming and this is a trap and he's like yeah well maybe i knew that why don't you stand down huh yeah he's like hey we're just here to respond to a, respond to a distress beacon have you guys noticed that going off she's like yeah we set it off well that's against the law <laughs> setting off distress beacons that's illegal uh, oh, report well, me come and stop us dickhead uh and so there's a lot of verbal sparring going on, and then suddenly the Mandos start to die. Yeah, they're like, oh no, it's a trap. There's They trapped us with a trap when we were trapping them with a trap. Mm -hmm. Traps all around. It's a double reverse mega trap. And, <laughs> man. You've activated my trap card, Yu-Gi-Oh. It's interesting to me that in this section where we get sort of the details about a firefight between... Uh, this garbage hapen ship that is not a good fighter it's weird that the hapens made a garbage ship for any reason i thought they were all about like ostentious qual ostentatious quality yeah 
but apparently they're like, oh no, this is just one of their shit garbage ships that they hand to idiots. Most of our ships are amazing because we, the Hapens, are perfect in every way, but also we do make a space version of the Kia Sedona. <laughs> That's our main export. <laughs> we keep the good shit in-house. Uh, but during this whole fight, like we get them trying to maneuver their couple of missiles they have to take out these mandos uh-huh. but we don't really get any information on what the fuck the falcon is doing because you would think oh the falcon actually has guns that could do something to these guys mm-hmm. but there is no information on what it is doing well granted there's only enough people on the falcon for someone to fly it and one person to operate one of the guns yes because uh, they don't sense anyone else on the falcon you'd think they just man uh, lando would just round up some of his guys and be like hey uh, get in this ship. If nothing else, some of his y, uh, HV droids, or YVH, what was it? Uh, YVH, Yuzhan yeah. Vong Hunters. Yeah, y, yeah, YVHs, and have those sit gun positions and so on. But no. So, <sighs> there is a point where it kind of looks like uh, they're going to turn around to do the, uh, the Falcon, mm-hmm. and that's when Ben's like, hey... Uh, I'm asking you as an order to tur- to turn around and run. Yeah, we are Jedi peacekeepers, and we are declaring this area under our protection. You need to go. And the Mandos are like, bullshit. Our scanners show there's one of you. <laughs> yeah. There, there also would not be a Jedi peacekeeping force that's using a Kia Sedona <laughs> to kill us. <laughs> well, how about this then? We're just regular Jedi, and if you don't do what we tell you to, we'll kill you ridiculously from a distance in a way you can't understand we will use unfathomable cosmic powers to destroy you Mm -hmm. and it's okay because we're the good guys Uh uh-huh that's the rules and we'll find a justification later (laughs) look victor's right history so (laughs) look out they've got weapons of mass destruction (laughs) ah they're coming right for us (laughs) but this doesn't work they get the the uh the bezelix start chasing them yes and this, you know, prompts a rip-roaring race where an astromech droid has to keep telling them that their shields are fucked up. Yeah, they're going too hot and heavy. They're, like, the armoring around their ship is literally melting. Yes, their ship is falling apart as they fly it. It's a bad Kia Sedona. It's very bad, and mm. they should not be pushing it as hard as it, this is. Actually- they're going 90 in a Kia Sedona, and it is ready to fall apart. <laughs> it's just rattling. <laughs> Uh, but they are, they pull some sort of complicated maneuver involving flying too close to an asteroid. Yeah. Again, the whole thing is like, what are you doing? We're going to get real close to something and that's the plan. Mm-hmm. What, what's the plan? We're getting close to a thing. Yeah. This one kind of lacks logistical details that help us to understand exactly what they're pulling off. They're running as fast as they can. There's a gun on the Maytiri, but it's it's stuck in a fixed position. It's like a it's only forward. It only faces forward, so it's really hard to use the gun to uh, while you're trying to run away from better ships. Yeah, so they're just running towards a cliff while uh, Tahiri does something because it's Ben who's flying the ship. Yeah, there's a point here where they kick up enough dust that they get lost in the cloud and they can sort of ease back so that the bezelisks go in front of them. Bezelix. Bezelisks are a different thing. Yes, that's true. Bezelix mm-hmm. 
How many Bezalix does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? I've never made it. Let's ask Mr. Owl. No disintegrations. <laughs> Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I'm in it. Have you ever seen the other commercial for Tootsie Rolls? The other one? Yeah. They very briefly, because they ran, the, the whole thing for the Tootsie Roll commercial is that it's been continuously run for like the longest time for any of any commercial ever. Yeah. So they that's why they never change it is because they have this distinction. Uh-huh. But there was a brief period, I want to say around the end of the 90s, the beginning of the 2000s, where they did, they started running, it, the commercial started the same way, and then it turned into a giant CGI robot talking to a giant CGI dinosaur. Nope. Yeah, that happened, Brie, where they were like, oh, we can't just keep running on being the oldest fashioned of candy makers. We have to bump it up to what the kids are interested in these days. Robots for, and dinosaurs. Put a skateboard in there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, so, yes, the whole point of this is they get uh, hidden in a dust cloud. Mm-hmm. One of the Bezalix slams into a mountainside because that's what happens anytime you go near that's bad guy any ships. terrain. Yeah, bad guy ships die to terrain every time. And the other one goes flying past them, and the thing is, there's no Beskar where the engine ports are. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, now that it's in front of us, we can shoot at the engine, and mm-hmm. that will fuck them up. They almost get hit by the Falcon. Uh, the Falcon, apparently, while they've been riding around dogfighting with four Bezalik ships, the Falcon has just been flying around the skirmish in big, wide circles, shooting target locks in there, uh, They, were, which to me felt like this guy had played the tabletop game. Uh, uh, but but yeah, the, he, the Falcon's not shooting. It's just trying to make target locks happen. It's just floating around like a big shark. Uh, but eventually, a bunch of shit culminates. They blow up some of the ships. The Falcon blows up one of the ships. And then uh, Ben has to look down at his console and be like, oh, crap, our ship is mick-fucked. <laughs> yeah, we are, ooh, jolly well-boned. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, hey, Falcon, can we get a ride? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm Lando Calrissian. Ah, uh, anything for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lando's excited to see that Ben is out there, and he's like, yes, of course, you can come on back aboard. I'm going to rescue the both of you. Why, that was the fanciest flying I've seen since... That's the fanciest flying I've seen. And I've seen Jaina Solo fly through a ridiculous asteroid field for three hours. I myself flew into the Death Star 2 in the Falcon, blew it up, and then flew back out of it. But that, (laughs) just doing circles around an asteroid, that's impressive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of other examples of Lando doing super fancy flying. Uh, but they would take too much explanation. <laughs> I mean, just for me, I'm like, yeah, but Lando's seen fancier flying oh, than yeah. that. Come no, on. He's seen the fanciest. He's seen, oh, weirdly, there's a point where uh, Luke talks or feel, thinks to himself, no, it's, it's Leia, who thinks to herself that, that she's already had to watch two children die in war. Yeah. And that now her, her only surviving child, her daughter, is is some sort of special function called the Sword of the Jedi, so that can't be good. <laughs> so, you know, I'm used to being afraid for my family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's more or less the end of the chapters. Uh, we, we get a rendezvous between Ben and Lando, and uh, we get we don't know what's going on with poor Luke and Leia, and we, had, we never actually did see Han. But don't worry, I'm sure he has a plan. I'm sure. <laughs> he's all drugged up and grumpy, but boy howdy, he's got a plan. Nothing could go bad for him. He's a white, older gentleman. <laughs> Leia, what do you sense? It's Han. He's all hopped up on Lipitor, and they're making him watch Hannity. 
<laughs> he's so grumpy right now. Apparently, he's mad about snowflakes. That's confusing. <laughs> Some kind of alien named in Obama. <laughs> Oh, gosh, Luke, we have to help him. Apparently, someone's turning the frickin' frogs gay. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, there you go. That was the chapters. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's a short episode, but that's just because the same thing happened twice. Yeah, it's just the same crap twice. And Why? I'm almost wondering if we don't need to do three chapters with this book because it just flies by. Uh, Thing is... It's not like these are short chapters. No, they're long chapters, but it's just because there's a lot of descriptive text. Yes. They're, and I, I am going to say it's well written. Like, Yeah, this is a better book than most. Yeah, the actual descriptive text here isn't the sort of grade school level like, oh, it was big and impressive, and it was as large as a small boulder. <laughs> You're like, and that was the Kolumi's dick. Yeah. Like, it is well-written. It's just also, like, if I tried to explain a Hemingway novel to someone without telling them all of the descriptions in it, I'd be like, so there was this guy on the sea, and he caught a fish. (laughs) (laughs) But then sharks eat the fish, and he doesn't get any money. Yeah. Sucks, huh? Huh? Yeah, there you go. That's a a Hemingway. That's the whole novel. Now let's do a, a, I don't know. The sun also rises. Let's do do a Steinbeck. I'd rather not. This, this poor guy is working in Salinas in the 50s. Some guys at a canning and he, place. He, he starts poor and ends poor, and the whole time he talks weird. And that's a Steinbeck book. There you Yay. go. Everyone's mad about a pony or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's mad about a pony. I, actually, most of the Steinbeck books they make you read in school I haven't read, but I have read all the other stuff he does. I would love to read the Steinbeck book, Everybody's Mad About a Pony. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what's it called, like the White Pony or whatever he wrote. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that book very well because I didn't read it. <laughs> Good. I remember Travels with Charlie and Once There Was a War. Oh, that's nice. I never read any Steinbeck because fuck Steinbeck. Oh, he's a good author. What's what, <laughs> How do you know? You've never read. You've read like 80 Stephen King books. That's not true. Yeah, because you've read like 90 Stephen King books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man, I've read multiple Faulkner books. Ugh, yeah, I've read one, I think. Yeah, I think I've read three. Wait, wh- wh- which ones? Uh, s- let's see, Sound of Fury, Light in August, and As I Lay Dying. Yeah, okay, those are the those are the ones you would have read. Okay, yep. that, that makes sense. Yep. <sighs> God, I hate Faulkner. <laughs> you should. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> Anyway, that's lit talk at the end of our podcast here. Yeah, coming from me, a guy who did not do lit in college, it's uh, it's not easy <laughs> to keep up. <laughs> Mostly, it's just these authors sucked. I mean, honestly, I did get a degree in lit, and that's still my main thing. I'm like, hey, you ever re- read some Pinchon? That guy sucks. <laughs> I've never read any Pinchon. I probably should. Eh, fuck this. Gravity's Rainbow? Garbage. I made it about 10 pages into Gravity's Rainbow, and I was like, nope. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just going to read Lolita again. Uh, okay. how, how do you feel about the Nabokovs? Nah. All right. Nah. Okay. Okay, well, anyway, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back in a week with yet more Star Wars content. But, John, why don't we talk about bonus content? Why don't we? Because no one paid us to. Oh, 
I'll give you a shiny nickel to talk about bonus content. All right, I'll take it. That sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> Folks, if you want to hear yet more Star Wars content, which you probably should because this is a short episode, why not stop on by our Patreon and give us a two of dollars? Yes, that's right. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery. Don't correct me on the gra- the uh, pronunciation. Oh, it's, I didn't it, correct you. It sickens me. I just said it correctly. I am sickened. <laughs> Uh, you can get at the one dollar the two dollar or the five dollar level to unlock bonus content now the two dollar of course gets you the content for this a here show as well as system mastery and at the five dollar you unlock our monthly afterthought Mm -hmm. you'll get first crack at our monthlies (laughs) that's right Mm -hmm. you can earn your red wings as we say The afterthought is what we always refer to as our curse. <laughs> you get a visit from Aunt... From Afterthought Flow. <laughs> <laughs> that made a lot of sense. Yeah, that was great. And other period jokes. And now, Shark Week. That, that's enough, I think. Uh, yeah, Afterthought's the monthly one. And actually, if you put it together and give us the $5 donation, you're going to make about seven bonus episodes a month. Yeah, I mean, which is honestly, a fucker of a deal. giving us that, you're like, hey, did you know that we put out like 15 episodes a month? <laughs> We're doing a lot of dumb shit, guys. <laughs> my, my folks out there, we are busy. We are busy, and we need your help to keep being busy. Thank you so much for listening, though. Uh, stop on by that Patreon, and once again, we are super excited at the moment about an upcoming Kickstarter that we want to tell you all about. Uh, but we won't. We won't. We, we, <laughs> we have chosen not to on this day. Uh, uh, no, we have friends who wanted us to do a media blitz for their their Kickstarter, and they are personal friends, people we know in real life and, and like a lot. And thankfully, it's a game that we've actually played. We've played it, and it's a really good game. Yeah. And that is called Descent into Midnight. Watch for it real soon. I believe about halfway through December, the Kickstarter is going to yes, launch. Yes, halfway through December. Halfway through December, so don't look into it until then. <laughs> this is what makes us the big bucks. <laughs> accuracy. We strive for accuracy. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Kickstarter is going to launch in the, begin- in the middle of February. There we go. The game's called Descent into Midnight. It's a PBTA where you play as a variety of hopeful communicative undersea deep sea creatures yeah it's a lot of very interesting very new setting stuff like Mm -hmm. it's not really like a game you've played before i mean it's like a game i've played before because i've played it yeah if you weren't talking to me i'm sorry no i'm never talking to you (sighs) i know you suck god that hurts sometimes still here hey i I know know it's true you're a good father and a good friend (laughs) just not to you though no (laughs) I've been told. (laughs) It's my understanding that if I get paid $50, I will say these things. (laughs) So once again, that's Descent into Midnight on Kickstarter coming soon. And that's just something our friends are doing and we're really excited about. Yes, indeedy. Yeah. So plus we get a copy and I want a copy (laughs) for my wall of RPGs. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in a week with yet more exciting Star Wars content. And until such time as we do, I've been Elan Bagiano, And I love killing people at a distance with space magic. (laughs) 